Welcome to the Dope Black Woman podcast, the podcast where we share stories of black excellence as part of our safe digital sisterhood. I'm Leanne Levos. I'm Rashan. You can call me Shan. I'm Livs. This week on the podcast, we're speaking with Ajani Salmon from Dreaming Whilst Black. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Dope Black Woman podcast. This one is an interesting one, people. Um, You know, we have talked many times about toxic masculinity, toxic femininity, about our dating stories. I've told many, many dating stories on this podcast. Um, And uh, today I have someone on... (laughs) the episode who I actually have talked about many times. Welcome Ajani Salmon, the creator <laughs> of Dreaming Whilst Black, writer, actor, producer, etc., etc., etc. And ex-boyfriend, I'm assuming you're going to say yes. And ex-partner. We're getting that. We're getting to that. We're getting to that. Ex-partner. Yes, true. Ex-partner. I like yeah. these terms. We like the gender neutral terms, right? Yes, yes. I'm here for it. Welcome. Thank you for having me. for those of you who don't know ajani is the director one of the directors um and the creator writer and lead actor of dreaming whilst black which is one of well it's the most successful web series in the world up until it was it was right up until the end of 2019 up until the end of 2019 and it came out in 2018 2018. Um, in addition to being this um, creative extraordinaire, he and I also dated for a, a period of time. I'm not going to mention how long or how often we dated because I don't want you side chicks to get upset with me. Wow. So- <laughs> wow. 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 Okay. All right. Well, we dated for a very long time or a decent amount of time. And we had uh, a good relationship that ended um, for various reasons, which Ajani will explain shortly. <laughs> please, please. <laughs> You're already speaking. <laughs> but we're going to talk about Dreaming Last Black, of course. That's why he's here. But interestingly enough, um, the very first day that we started dating was also the very first day that you started shooting the web series Dreaming Last Black. Yes, that is true. And so I thought it would be interesting for us to have a sort of post-analysis discussion of our relationship while also talking about Dreaming Last Black, because I do think that they're overlapping and many of the things that we experience together are centered or kind of funneled through this experience of you creating this web series, which over time I became somewhat involved in. I feel like this is also so that you can publicly give your jabs to your phone. No, no, no. no I can't no. say nothing because... No, this I'm is fair ex. game. This is fair game. I, this am, is, I, have, no, I have nothing but good vibes. Same, Please. same. <laughs> this is, but this is fair play. Like we're supposed, this is, if this is an ex-couples therapy session, let's, let's call it that for today. Wow. Um, it is where both of us are accountable for our own toxic behaviors. I have mine, you have yours, right? That's and I have what like, I do. I have acknowledged many of my toxic behaviors on this podcast leading up to this day. We are all about authenticity and keeping it 100, good, bad, or mm-hmm. ugly. So 
yeah, let's, that's, that's the intention for today, right? Let's see what the impact will be. Because <laughs> you know so, there's a difference. Intention and impact. The, the, you know, but let's see. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, either way, it will make for what we hope is an interesting conversation. But really, I hope that, um, you know, we've been not dating long enough that we've had some time to reflect on our situation. But I don't know if we've transitioned into being friends. So I'm hoping that this will bring us a little bit closer to a genuine friendship in this. Okay, let's go. Yeah. So in the spirit of setting the intention as one would in a therapy session, there's a question that we ask all of our guests, but we're going to switch it up a little bit today. Normally we ask our guests what makes them a dope black man or woman, but you're going to start off by telling me what makes me a dope black woman. And I'm going to tell you what makes you a dope black man. All right. Um, I didn't know we were going to do this. So I haven't thought about it. Although I know you have in your fluid response, which now get enough. No, I honestly, this is a part of the setup. It's fine. Oh, um, paranoia. Um, you know what? You know what? Um, I feel like, again, it's something your intelligence, I think, makes you very dope. And your compassion. I think there's a level of compassion and care that you have that beyond us having whatever relationship we have, if I kind of just heard of this person who was like this and had these qualities, I would think, wow, that sounds like an amazing person. Um, you know, and yeah, I think there's a level of care that you have in whatever you do, whether it's work, whether it's your friendships, whether it's your relationships, whether it's family, that you commit to, I think you commit to compassion. And I think that's what makes you a dope black woman. Oh, thank you. I don't think you've ever said that to me before. Here we are. I've, I've gone to like a year's worth of therapy, so I'm open now. <laughs> you know? Fair enough. So yeah. You're listening to Drake and shit now. <laughs> Please don't say you're listening to Drake and shit now. I um, mean, it's, it's a part of it. I listen to Biebs as well after I acknowledge it. Like, I like, really good. I like Justin Bieber. I can publicly say it now. Before, when I was caught up in my toxic masculinity, man might have to listen it on the slide. But right now, you can catch me, I blaze it. Rago, what? So, yeah. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Congrats. Proud to see the progression that has taken mm. place. Um, so what do I think makes you a dope black man beyond being an extremely talented, um, creative. So I have tremendous respect for your work ethic. Many of our evenings in our relationship were spent with you at the laptop and me at my laptop doing work until three, 4am in the morning. And so in many ways that was motivating for me as well. Um, so you're extremely hardworking. You have a very strong work ethic. I think that makes you a dope black man. And also, I think that you are consistently reflective and analytical. I remember you once said to me that you're a principled man who sometimes forgets his principles. But I you think... Yeah, you did. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I'm like, damn, you deep. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, so, thank you. Yeah, you once said that to me, and and it's true. And the part that I admire about that is that you're consistently trying to work to become more principled and uh, remain authentic in your action through uh, authentic in your convictions through your actions. So I think that's what makes you a dope black man. Okay, thank you. And I just want to point out, this is since we're, we're being transparent. Yeah. You said to me that you weren't, when you heard I was a filmmaker, you weren't going to sleep with me until you knew if I was shit or not. You didn't tell me that oh, before you watched my stuff, but you did say that after the fact. And I'm like, raw, but like... <laughs> Suppose my work wasn't great, though. Then we wouldn't have dated. That's straight up the truth. And I, I think I've told that story on the podcast before. There was a guy that I was dating, obviously, prior to you, who was a graphic designer, and he was horrible. And I told him he had to give it up if he wanted to date me. Because I just I have no time for people who are living in delusion. Is he good now? No, he gave it up. <laughs> nah, that's just killing dreams. <laughs> no, I'm giving people honest critique there. Okay. I hear um, you. But luckily for you, that was not the case. And obviously, luckily for me, yes. <laughs> the rest of the world has gotten a chance to see um, what Dreaming Wilds Black is. So tell us about Dreaming Wilds Black and tell us the good news about the transition that you've just recently engaged in. Yeah. So, I, well, uh, yeah, Dreaming Wilds Black is a web series that. Um, me and my friends at Four Quarter Films, a company that we have made in 2018. We actually, I actually came up with the idea 2016, met you. Yeah. Yeah. And then started shooting it, then shot it for like a year, edited for like six other months. And by the time we premiered it, we weren't together anymore. Oh, but we got back together subsequently. But we got back together, but you know what I mean? Like, but that, when, it, open, yeah. when it premiered, yeah, we weren't together. Um and yeah we did incredibly well I feel like we on some sense in some ways we surpassed our expectations in the sense that we didn't even know about the film festival circuit for web series content and but we won 36 awards from like 33 film festivals which is phenomenal in many ways like I mean my last short film which you watched and decided to bust me one <laughs> <laughs> it won five it's awards really and that was, but, but that uh, but that was considered a big win to win five awards for a film mm -hmm. was considered like a, a a good a successful run so to kind of start winning multiple per festival kind of became unreal and we kind of gathered like a cult following from that it was it wasn't like viral but it, it was enough that the industry noticed and subsequently the I think 2019 and 2018, we got commissioned for a pilot by the BBC for Dreaming Was Black, it must have been 2019. And we just, today, as we're speaking, we just locked the edit. It's done, it's delivered, the BBC have it, it's epic, and that will come out in i think the third week of april all things being equal that's the time that i'm told well it would have come out the third week of april because yeah, yeah, yeah. coming out the first week of may yeah so yeah so it's it's, it's out i guess if we're speaking in the future it's yeah out. and yeah everybody should check it out because it's, it's good dope. 
It's dope <laughs> on multiple levels. Um, so it's funny because I actually remember, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember the first day that you got, the day that you got the first BBC call. You were at my house and I, I don't know if I, we can edit this out if it's necessary, but you were actually naked and you started dancing around the room. I remember that. <laughs> dancing because you were so excited that you got this call from BBC. So it's really interesting to see it manifest into what it's become now. I remember um, that actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I think when you're, you're so naive or young to the industry, these things are such monumental things. Like for me, I remember getting that phone call and I'm like, yo, but that will make it now, bus, you know what I mean? My bus went. And then it was like two or three months after that when they were kind of like, okay, cool. Yeah, like you can go and write the pilot now. Yeah. You know, and so that was, that was, yeah. That was interesting. You, I, I don't know. I was so excited. I thought I was just like, yo, yeah, man, my rent, me not have to worry about rent again, come there. <laughs> and yeah, me still there, slightly, I worry about rent. But, <laughs> but hopefully not for much longer. We'll see. <laughs> um, I'm sure it won't be for much longer. We'll talk about all of the other things that you have planned a little bit later on. But yeah, yeah. so we started out dating on the very first day that you were shooting. Uh, I think it was the first weekend that you were shooting I came down to London and visited you and so we're yeah. kind of lying down talking chit-chatting and you're like oh yeah I have this you know I have to shoot this weekend and I'm like oh cool what episode are, we, are you shooting and you're like yeah well it's our sex scene and so immediately I'm like Raw, okay so now I'm dating a creative and I have to contend with the idea of him uh, you know having sex scenes with with somebody that I don't even know I've never even met <laughs> And how do I feel about this? Do I need to stay? Do I need to go? I subsequently wasn't around. And actually, after the after our first instance, you were really good about it, actually, because you kept showing me the scenes. And the more you showed it to me is the more comfortable I actually got with the idea. And then I subsequently met Vanessa, which was really cool. Vanessa is the lead character, lead actress on the web series. She's great. You've mm -hmm. probably seen her in, in Bullet Bulletproof. She has a feature film coming out now. Yeah, she's about... Um, and so, and so, yeah, so what was that like? What's that like in terms of like, this is your first kind of big thing. Um, you weren't an actor in your first film. So you were acting in your, in this web series and I know how I felt about it, but I don't know that I actually asked you how you felt about doing sex scenes with random people that you didn't know. Cause you hadn't met this actress at this point in time or you nah. met her yeah no nah, so we actually only met in the audition room and then from then i just saw her on set and obviously we emailed in terms of scheduling and that stuff but like it funny enough it was so weird which is why i was like trust me don't worry it's not a thing like but again i'm a new actor right at the time i'd never acted before so I remember the what made it like super like uncomfortable as well, which I guess that's just my own insecurities of it is I'm thinking, all right, cool, you know, be super professional, like don't make you feel like you don't want to feel uncomfortable. I'm understanding the power dynamic, right? Like I'm the actor, but I'm also the writer. I'm also like the producer. I'm also like paying people. So like, yeah, obviously me 
like it, it, there's a massive power dynamic. So I was like, yo, let me just kind of keep it everything above board, everything civil. I'm like, man, I really do not until like, well, actually, I roll the camera. Then, you know, me do it and we'll cut, you know, make sure everything cool. So, yeah, you know, Vanessa come, you know, everything lovely, bubbly, and all of that. And Max, the director who's directing that episode, was like, cool. So we'll just rehearse, da 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 da, and then we'll go for a take. Okay. Talk through the scene. I was like, all right, cool. Action. Da da boom, boom, boom. I should just jump. Like, we don't know. Like, I guess I never expect her to kiss me upon the rehearsal because I was like, you know, like, leave that till the roll, you see me? And she just went for it. And I was thinking, rah, like, yo, y'all go hard. <laughs> so, but then, and then it was cut, and she was super cool. She was super cool. And I was thinking, yo, it's in that moment, I was like, rah, like, I was making a big thing out of this when to her, as obviously, because she's a professional, like, actress, it's just a scene, right? And I was thinking, oh right, like I'm. It's weird because I'm like I'm the uncomfortable one. Yeah. Not not she's because she ready to jump. Yeah, in, kind yeah. Of thing. yeah. Not not for her being like she was super accommodating and everything and helped me through these scenes. But I guess I just wasn't used to it for myself. I'm like, like only time me I kiss somebody in my life when me I try to do a thing. Like you know what I mean. So that was weird. But again, I guess I just understand understood the the regimented nature of the of film like and how how methodical and mechanical it is so like these lights and these moods that you see where you like the music and the lighting and everything like looking smooth like behind that camera is like a 10-man crew watching you with a boom mic right under your lips so them can hear the and all of that <laughs> shit like when you put it in that context it's really not sexual at all but it's like, really weird right because you're you're creating there's this whole production behind provoking or evoking the very emotion that isn't actually taking place while you're acting you know the well that's that's right. why it's called acting right yeah yeah it's as you're literally acting and i think that's the magic of film that you know, we do something super mechanical, but chop it together and add, slap on some music, and all of a sudden you're getting goosebumps. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was a, it was a weird experience. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I I don't think I ever got over the the scene where the girl grabs you balls. I won't say too much because we actually want people to go back and uh, <laughs> and watch the web series before they watch the pilot episode for the BBC. But yeah, that that. That never sat well with me. Maybe you know what? The funny enough, the funny enough. And they're, they're, yeah, I was about to say they're levels to that because I'm sure that part of why your vexes guy was all white one as well. Yes, of course. <laughs> but funny enough, even that, Max directed that episode as well. It's so weird that we're talking about Max. Which, and Max is great as well, like as a director and just as a friend. But that, he didn't tell me she was doing that. Oh, really? Right? Nah, so he kind of, you know, we're doing the scene, doing the scene, doing the scene. You know, getting all the angles, and then him kind of like whisper to her in her ears, and then he tells the cameraman something as well. So you know, I'm not thinking that you know directors talk to actors, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And he was, and he was just like, "Yo, you know, Johnny, just run with the scene and just run with the scene to the list I cut." I was like, "Yeah, obviously, cool." Then man just does it, and she grabs, and I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, "But and that's the real reaction that's on." camera because and i couldn't recreate that because after that i know she's trying to do it 
you know what I mean? But I was just like, yo, this is this is nuts. But it got the results, so shout out to him, you know. It definitely did. Um, so actually, on that topic of kind of the women that are in Dreaming Whilst Black, so you have Vanessa, who is your love interest. Yep. And you also have Amy, who is played by Danny Mosley, one of my favorite mm. people. She's amazing. Love Amy. She is. And she's still in the BBC pilot as well. But when we were picking, or we, I say we, we'll talk about how involved I became in this web series <laughs> in a minute. But when you were picking Vanessa, um, and because Danny had already been on board, and Danny is a darker skinned Black woman um, who's very uh, proud of her Blackness. You know, there's nothing, um, there's nothing, she wears her Blackness unashamedly, which we love. Um, um, so, but when you were picking Vanessa, I was really adamant about not having a mixed race or a brown skin girl. Like, I wait, 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 don't, don't allude this as if to say I wasn't. No, no, let me finish. You're trying to paint this as if man was trying to get it. No, 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 because I remember us looking at the laptop and there were like a bunch of different pictures on there. And there were a few women that we were looking at in particular. And I was like, no, she needs to be a dark skinned black woman, which you wanted as well. But obviously the casting wasn't necessarily um, giving you the, uh, yeah, giving you the, the variety of women to choose from that would have been ideal. Um, but you, my point in bringing this up is that you actually fought for the woman to be a darker skinned black woman. Um, sure. um, even sure. though you already had a dark skinned black woman as a character in the show already. And usually, you know, when we talk about it, particularly black British shows, but I think black shows in general, using blackish as an example, um, no shade to them. Uh -oh. <laughs> um, you often find this need to like drop in a light skinned black girl, um, or drop in a white girl or drop in, you know, someone who's mixed race, um, and yeah. I'm race, you know what I mean? So, but I was very, I thought it was really important as did you. And I'm wondering um, if you want to just talk a little bit about the importance of how you represent black women in the show. A, in terms of yes, uh, having actual black women on the show in terms of uh, not just feeding into the, the normative kind of, or the, the narrative of mixing it up as it were, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But then also in terms of their character development as well, because I feel like Danny is a really interesting character. So yeah, yeah, you talk about having Vanessa as a love interest and then transition into having Amy on there as well. Yeah, so I'm glad you acknowledged that I too was also- You were, and I, that's true of the BBC pilot as well. I actually yes. love the, the new Vanessa. I think she's absolutely gorgeous. She's so beautiful. I want her coat. Babs is amazing. Um, so please send it to me. So yeah, <laughs> you know. um, but yeah, so uh, Vanessa, and, and then I want to say this as well. Vanessa was, Vanessa Vanderpoel was the best actress by far when we cast the web series. Like, so there's that, there is one level, because when you're casting, you know what you want, and, but then also you kind of have to cast what's best, right? Yeah, of course. Like just who's the best person. And Vanessa genuinely was the best person by me. As soon as she walked out, Ali just looked at Ali's the my co-writing partner. Who is he a white man, by the way. Who is a white man? I do write a show with a white man. That's fine. We but no, I'm that. I'm prefacing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By yeah. So, he, so even Ali was just like, 
she was great, mate. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, and she, she, she's beautiful as well. And I'm like, from the white man says she look good. <laughs> <laughs> she transcend. <laughs> she, yeah. No, because but, yeah. you do not ascribe to the acceptance of white people on this show. No, no, no. We're not, we're not transcribed to it. But we just said that she looked good in a way where even him who, with his own preconditions. With his lens. Yeah. Yeah, with his lens could also see it. But no, she was she was amazing. And and it was great. It's funny because I remember her saying that she came in with an afro because she never had time to do her hair. Mm. And I remember when she came in, she was like apologizing for it, or just kind of like, oh, you know, and I not even apologize, but just saying she was busy, like alluding yeah. to the fact that she never had time for like prep. And I was like, yo, 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 like, now nah, you're good, B. Like, nobody now, like, I, I didn't expect to see, I did, obviously, it's because her, her pictures at the time was her hair permed. Okay. So I was just like, yo, I don't, like, we're not business. Like, I like that you have this Afro, you know, I mean, look at my head, you know what I'm saying? Like, I have freeform locks, so Afro, I'll move my thing there. So, yeah, man, and that was great. And, and, and we had a great journey to that and Danny as well funnily enough Danny auditioned for Vanessa oh and okay yes, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 and just just the energy that she came in with we were just like actually now nah, you're not Vanessa you're Amy right you know and like just that's just was just her energy it's like you're telling your your energy is telling me that you're Amy so boom you're Amy done let's go you know, and yeah, man, that was funny enough. I was actually more open to Amy being any shade than Vanessa. It was more important to me that the love interest was dark skin. Because you know, and I'm like, yeah, because I just feel like we need for see it. The people need it, you know what I'm saying? Like, and 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 you know. I've been again. My grow up, my grow up, yeah, I'm just regular black man. Grow up like every other black man. Where in our high school, everybody had dead over the light skin girl. Although me never really have that face still, but me just I say in general. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, and in terms of representation, you know, you see the Halle Berrys, you see the Tandy Newtons, you see the Zoe Saldanas, you know, you see all of these women who are love interests. But when you say Cynthia Erivo um Viola Davis um you know all these black you know dark-skinned black women you don't necessarily see them being just sought after yeah as love interest you know what I mean or if so, they are it's in a very kind of animalistic kind of yeah yeah, it, 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 yeah yeah you know and I was just like actually but if I, if a black woman I talk to you in a real life then like yeah man we just want to see it you know, we just want to see the melanin richness on screen. So, yeah, that was that was it for me. That was that was it for me as the antithesis of what we normally see on screen. So that was why I did that. Did you ever feel pressure to introduce more diversity into the show? So there's an episode, obviously, I think it's episode two, where you have the the great British race off. And yep. you talk about the distinction of how races are treated, particularly in the film um, mm -hmm. industry. But in, in, I mean, by and large, the show is a black show. 
Yes. Um, and was that something that you wanted to do? I know it's something that you wanted to do from the outset, but was it something that you felt pressure to change as time went on? Um, no. So the thing with the web series is that we were just doing whatever we wanted, right? Mm. So <laughs> there was no there was no exec above us. There was no one. And it was just me writing whatever I wanted. And then it was me and Ali writing whatever we wanted. And we changed it with the directors who we were working with. So I just kind of did whatever I wanted to, which is funny because when I think back, so like my Virgin and business partner, Taufik, I remember when I just moved to England and he was like, yo, were you seeing me on the black film team? Yeah. And at the time, I just come from Jamaica, and I was like, yo, but I mean, really, I try to make them thing then I die. I mean, just I try to make film. But at the time, I equated black films to, like, the Tyler Perry movies that my mom forced me to watch. Or, like, you know, the kind of okay, movie. Tyler Perry. I mean, no, 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 no but, uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm 16, I don't want to watch freaking... Um, Madea's family. Madea, you know what I'm saying? Like, when I try to pray that. Diary of a Mad Black Woman. That was a film. I never forget oh, that. Yeah, Go watch yeah, it with my mother. And all of them movie there. You know what I'm saying? So I was just like, nah, I'm not on that. And, but my films always had black people in it because mm-hmm. obviously I grew up in Jamaica. So, black, like, yeah, black is my center by default. Mm. So even in writing Dreaming Once Black, it's weird. When I started writing the show, it wasn't, yo, let me write a show that comments on race in britain it was just like yo let me just write this web series about a black filmmaker because i'm a black filmmaker and i know what that feels like so i just wrote my experience but i guess because in my experience most of the people i interact with are black that just naturally bleeds into the web series Mm. you know most of my friends are black most like my family's black so like that that just bleeds itself in naturally so it wasn't just like uh uh you know this is needed because you know black people aren't on screen it was just like nah I'm just writing my experience and my experience is naturally black and that actually I feel like that filtering of your experience on screen filtered in behind the camera as well right so you had many people that were your friends that were involved with the web series. Um, Henry, who is your cousin, did a lot of Mm -hmm. the photography. Um, You guys probably have seen Henry on um, one of our IG lives. He's a great photographer. Uh, Leanne, who is a dope black woman, Leanne Talbot, she is in the actual show. She's your camera woman in the show, right? Yeah. um, Yeah. Another one of your exes is actually in episode two. the Asian family. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh my I'm God. remembering that and you're not. No, no, no. No, it's her sister, not her. Okay. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. But she was on set. <laughs> I think she was yeah. on set. That's the yeah, first yeah, time yeah, I she met was. her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm also, for those of you who don't know, I've managed to colonize many of Ajani's family. I'm still friends with many of them today and some of his ex-girlfriends as well. <laughs> I mean, Um, (laughs) anyway, the point is, is that, um, you know, how do you find the balance? Because even for me, over time, I became quite involved in the web series, largely because we're spending so much time together. Mm -hmm. You know, we, you know, there were ideas about music that came about. I did the catering for most of the, um, 
most of the actual shoots you did and you know mm -hmm. so how do you balance between I mean what even made you feel like I could have input in this space as a non-creative which is the interesting thing because uh, I think all of the other women or all of the other people that are involved in the show that are actually friends are actually creatives. I mean, Henry's a photographer. Yeah, 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 yeah. You and him, you and he and you grew up together making art, right? That's how you got mm -hmm. your kind of start in yeah. in terms of filmmaking and photography. So, um, yeah, why, <laughs> why do you let me become involved as a non-creative? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think this is something, I guess I don't know if it's something I need to work on or not, but I guess being an artist, it's not like a regular job where you go in, you work, you go home, you're done. You can switch off. Like my cousins are teachers. Mm. Um, the moment they get home, unless they have book for Mark, off. They they ain't checking in on teach students. They ain't chatting to the other teachers. They ain't, you know what I mean? They, they, they turn off work. And I feel like as an artist, you're, especially as a freelance one, you're continually on, yeah. especially with passion projects. So um, unfortunately, and I would say that it is unfortunate, a lot of the times where we were spending together, it would have to be on the terms of I'm working. So for us to spend time together, if you're not included, then it's kind of like, yo, you know, we can do my own thing. But also, I guess for me, if I trust you and trust your opinion or your sensibilities to work, to act, then I would trust your opinion. And you, you, you not being a filmmaker as well is better. Mm. It was better for me because it's, it's like I may do something that I may think is like, oh, you know, the filmmaker sees this and you may watch it and think, oh, yo, but this is sick. And because you don't have the same eye that I do right mm -hmm. so it was a good gauge of like well if you like it people might like it and I feel like you were always objective in the sense that if you genuinely you wouldn't just butter it up like become well, yeah man yeah but say yeah man baby it look good you'd be like nah shit or it don't work you know what I'm saying in a way that's safe and I think that's key as well that you were a safe space in that place where it's like I could show you something and you would tell me it's bad without me feeling like shit for the fact that I spent like a week <laughs> this thing that don't look good. You know what I mean? So yeah, I guess there was a you just provided like a safe space for me to bounce ideas off. That's why I did. Um and so you brought up an interesting part of our relationship as well, which was kind of balancing work and relationship, right? Mm -hmm. As a creative, I think. But more so than other industries, certainly more than mine. I mean, as an academic for me, although in, in many ways I do zone in like you and, um, you know, I, I oftentimes forget or I'm absent. I'm not present in my relationship because I'm zoned in on work. And actually for us, it worked because while you were working on one thing, I was working on writing. Yeah. And, you know, you in the same vein, you were smart enough where I could show you something and you would actually critically look at it and think about it and provide constructive feedback. I was smart enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, let's keep be honest. Not many. There, not many. There are in my dating experience. I've never dating an, dated another academic. Right. 
-hmm. never dated an academic largely because um, I find people who refer to themselves as academics to be uh, pretentious and obnoxious. Interesting. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, I've never dated someone else who is in the, in, who works in academia. And for me, it was definitely something that I found difficult or lacking in many of my relationships where I would be able to share um, in my own voice what I was working on. You know, there are people that I used to date that still don't know what I do to this day, which is crazy. There are friends that I have that don't know what I do to this day. Um, so yeah, you took a vested interest in talking through my ideas and reading through my work and yeah. So I think for me, the lack of quality time that we spent outside of working wasn't necessarily an issue because I was also just as busy working on my own piece of work, which you fed into as well. Okay. Um, but it is a difficult thing, right? Managing mm -hmm. relationships and, and being a creative, because as yeah. you said, your time is always taken up and you, you're always on because you're always passionate about something and driven by something. Um, whereas other people might have careers where they can switch off. And I remember mm -hmm. actually the very first time, I think it was the first time that we broke up. Yeah, maybe it might've been the first time, might've been the second, I don't remember. <laughs> but the, the biggest breakup that we had without actually, uh, before we actually broke up for the last time was on the day that you were shooting an episode. And yes. You were on set and I messaged you. I don't think I- You sent I, me a Wicked Man email. I sent you a Wicked Man email <laughs> and we broke up and I was furious and I didn't know what you were doing that day. Um, but I, So I don't know what it was like on your end, but use that story or that day as an example of how you navigate like the difficulty of a hard day at work and a difficult point in your relationship. Um. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's go. Um, you know what? Actually, firstly, I would say that genuinely I'm terrible at managing that. I have tunnel vision and I'm very, I can't multitask at all. So that bleeds into my relationship. Ironically, we, my last relationship prior to ours also dissolved as I finished my f last film prior to Dreaming Once Black. Mm -mm -mm. And then Dreaming Was Black came and our relationship started to also dissolve when the pressure of Dreaming Was Black yeah. happened as well for two completely different reasons, but it still happened. And I think that part of that is my focus goes so like when, if I'm juggling too many plates, I will, I do have a tendency to say, all right, what's the most important plate? And say, fuck all the other plates. Yeah. And, but I also have a tendency, and this goes beyond relationships, to, <clears throat> I wouldn't, almost arguably to take advantage of people who I expect to be there. You know, where I expect you, at that point, we've been dating. So I expect your support. So I didn't feel like I had to nourish, I had to keep nourishing our space mm. because it, I, I just assumed it was secure so it doesn't need nourishing. Right. So I'd be more mindful of loose ties that I would have 
with like associates or like film colleagues or making sure that they're good rather than making sure that the person who's closest to me is good. And that goes beyond just our relationship. That goes like, which I've actively kind of started looking into with like my mom. Like I don't check up on my mom as much as I should. Do you know that um, your mom was actually the first person to ever tell me that? What, that I don't check up on her? No, that you oftentimes neglect the people that you love the most. What? I said she had You know, and, and uh, it does, you know what though? And I will say this comes from understanding, like, like it would stem back to our relation, like my relationship with my mother. My mama have a weird relationship of knowing. Like mama is not a word. You want to talk about love languages? Words never depend on our list. <laughs> you understand? But actions are. Yeah. So I've never doubted my mother's love, but I've definitely, I mean, she ain't say it. Or, you know, when I see my mother, like I ain't seen my mother in like nearly a year. I'm sure I said when she see me, she'll give me one of them like a, them like a seven-day Adventist hug there, <laughs> which is just the like, pat you know, the pat on the back thing. But I know that she loves me and she knows that I love her. So we've just, we just don't speak about it. Right. And I think that that relationship kind of informs how I treat relationships, mm -hmm. which obviously doesn't work in other spaces. Right. Um, so I think I think genuinely that happened. But at the time, like outside of the neglect, outside of the pressure that was happening. Like episode two was the fucking hardest shoot. I'd ever done at that time. Like we were shooting for five days straight. Natasha's directing. We're running overtime. We're shooting on a racing track that we booked that was supposed to be locked off for us. But halfway through the shoot, kids start coming on. And they're like, oh yeah, we forgot that there's a there's a high school coming in. So we now have to shoot around students randomly running into the, the shot. Um, I pulled my hamstring because it was, you know, it's a running and it's just hot and cold, hot and cold. So I'm just running, stopping, running, stopping, pull my hamstring, had to keep running through. I pulled muscle and it was just a really like rough time. And I remember, I remember this specifically actually because we booked like a minivan taxi. You know, I was in the, the van that was booking the equipment and I'm on my way home and you sent me a text basically saying that you sent me an email. Right. And I don't know why I read the email on that journey in that car and i was just so fucking furious because really? i was just like I've, I've had the most shit day ever and on top of that shit day messaging you who i expected would have been like to just unload and be like yo babes blah, 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 i get this email saying you're done and i was just like you know what fuck it like it's a distraction anyways. Mm. And I'm like, that relationship is something I have to take care of, which is another thing I have to take care of, which actually, I'm just like, yo, like career first, which is reflective in also, again, having conversations with Taufik, you know, one of my sounding boards. I remember us talking about goals one time and he was like, oh, you know, I was telling him I write down, you know, like yearly goals, five-year goals, 10-year goals, all that shit. And then like my 10 year goals was like married and kids. And he was like, okay. And he's like, what's your one year goals? And I listed out all of these things. I'm breaking down, you know, my one year goals lead to my five year goals, lead to my 10 year goals. And he was like, oh, mad, what's your one year goals? And I laid them all out. 
And he was like, that's interesting because you have this 10-year goal of having like a family, but none of your yearly goals reflect that 10-year goal. That 10-year goal. But every other 10-year goal is reflected in your one-year goal. And I think that's part of it where, you know, I just, I don't know, I guess you're just not really taught that being in a relationship is something that you should learn how to do. You're expected mm-hmm. to just fall into it. Very and true. I think, I think because of that, I've always focused on work. And, I, and to be honest, I focus on goals which I can impact. And I feel like I'm nervous to almost make a goal with someone else because that means if it fails, it might not, it's out of my control if it fails or not. So there are various layers as to, but I was so fucking mad. Like that's what I was just like, you know what? Like the fact that she even fucking sent this at this time is a piss take. So actually she can go fuck off. Like, and I was just like, done, I'm done. And I had to shoot the next day anyways. So I'm like, I can't even process this, right? Cause I have to like go home, sleep, make food for the next day's shoot and go and act again on uh, 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 like one leg. Yeah, because that's one shoot I was not catering. I was like, fuck this motherfucker. <laughs> I am not helping him anymore. Anyway, go ahead. Right? And, and that was it. And so I did that whole shoot. And I think because that was like day two, I was shot for five days. Mm-hmm. By the fifth day, when it, by the sixth day, when it was like rest day. And I was just like, you know what, man? Because, you know, you have this way where you write your little emails and you explain everything. And I'm like, you know what? I hear your dissertation. You've clearly wrote a thesis on why we should break up. And cool, top marks, I agree, I'm done. And it wasn't even on a malice tip. It was just like, I accept and understand your perspective. I don't deserve, I probably don't deserve this and you probably do deserve someone who will cater for you in the way that you want to be. So, yeah, I accept the L. I'm just going to respond with pettiness to say I am not the only person in this relationship who wrote dissertation-like emails and letters. I know I write in response. That's different. You can't, someone can't write you an epistle. Um, someone can't write you an epistle and then you just respond yeah. like, Cool. This is where like, we established <laughs> that we're not actually friends yet. And we're still on a journey because as far as I remember it, every time you did something that warranted us breaking up, you would send me a handwritten letter or an email. Yeah, no. So <laughs> you need to chill. Anyway. Wow. We are. <laughs> wow. Um, so the, it's interesting that you had that response because when I sent that email, I was immediately filled with like guilt. Um, and I probably didn't express that to you because I was angry, of course. Um, but you know, in this, I guess it refers to what you mentioned earlier. It's like, I was conflicted between actually putting in strong boundaries and then also knowing that this was an important day for you. So it's like, which, what do I put first? Do I put myself first by making sure that he knows that this is, you know, my feelings are hurt and this is the issue? Or do I concede to the fact that he's in the middle of a five-day shoot and actually this is not the best time to, um, you know, to let this bomb drop as it were? Um, so I think 
for you, it's like work first and work always comes for me first as well. But, you know, I think in the context of relationships, uh, boundaries come first and making and honesty and transparency comes first, mm-hmm. which obviously is probably one of the things that we struggled with. Um, but I think in the context of our relationship, it's funny that there are many, I think, many things that were stereotypical about what you hear about relationships between black men and black women you know one of the popular things that we talk about is cheating one of the popular things that we talk about is lack of communication and poor communication between black men and black women as a way of being able to reconcile some of the things that might um, prevent cheating from taking place or prevent uh, complacency from setting in Um, and Kwabena as a character is is really, I mean, he has his own struggles and he has his own difficulties, but he is not what the, he's not the stereotypical black man that you see in popular black British TV, particularly a black man who's in a relationship. And it's not, he's not even remotely similar to the stereotypes that are purported in pop culture around black men. Um, and so was that intentional when you were creating Coveno? Was that something? Because he, he, I mean, for me, he does have some similarities to you, but he's not you by any stretch. No, he's not. <laughs> so um, what is different about him that you aspire to? And was that something that you put in intentionally to make him aspirational for other characters while still being a real person? Because he's not yeah. perfect. So I do think that that's, that was always an, uh, a question for us in terms of how do you create a good guy but create inner conflict, right? Because no one wants to see perfect people. Mm-hmm. Um, but then one of the key things which I always knew was like, yo, one, we're not going to make a love triangle between um, Vanessa and Amy because we just don't need that. And I'm like, I'm tired of seeing which one and... But I understand there needed to be conflict. So I was like, actually, what if both of them want his time? And Mm -hmm. he's poor at time management. So technically, these two women vie for his attention, but it's not in the same way. Amy wants him to be on job because they make films together. Vanessa wants his attention because she wants them to develop their relationship. So that was like a happy medium of how do we create conflict between everyone without doing this whole will they won't they kind of thing which and just also showing that you know there can be platonic relationships between the genders as well which is like, something I have, we also don't see yeah yeah because like, like my 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 um like a lot of my friends are women and we've never done a thing or it was never like maybe one do a thing and it never work out i'm just accept friend zone it was like now we kind of just are friends and i feel like it was important to show that as well but it's weird because you know even speaking to stereotypes on in british tv i wouldn't it's weird i don't necessarily think that cheating is a film stereotype because I feel like if you look at the shows like Enterprise, Family, um, even Top Boy too tough, I really feel like Ashley Walters and Kane or them Abaga girl kind of vibes are going. You know what I mean? But it's just something that's said in the on the internet. Yeah. You know? You know, and but I do think though, I know obviously it's dope black women and this is what on the top on the top of black people. 
But I do think there's, it's important to distinguish when we're trying to find solutions, we have to identify what the problem is. And I feel like a lot of time when it was like, oh, black men cheating, it's assumed because of that statement that it is a black man problem. Yeah, and it's relative actually, to... And not actually a man problem. Yeah. Like, like I have enough white virgin now. White man, them, they're on the streets. You know I mean, I, I don't have any white British friends. That's just the truth of it. And so yeah, no, 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 I me no, but but only for I won't lie to you. Some of the wickedest story them ever hear. I'm looking at even I'm shocked like bomber glass. A white man moved that. Like you know, what I'm saying again. I've watched the Crown. Man yeah. fully told Diana, listen, suckle yourself. Man, love the side chick. Hold that. Prince Philip. And Diana, and Diana had to hold that. Yeah. You understand? So, but, you know, I think it's important to distinguish what are gender issues, what are race yeah, issues. For and the what purposes of this conversation, intersect. we're having a conversation about men, but obviously this is dope black women, so we're talking about, I'm less than concerned about what white people are doing in their bed. Yeah, 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 but we just want to make that distinction. And I just feel like, you know, you know, films or art, art, can reflect the society, but art also has the potential to show what we can be, not just what we are. And I felt for Dreaming Was Black, I really wanted to reflect us, but also show what we can be as well. You know, so in the sense, like even again, in full transparency, like I've cheated within our relationship, you know? And yes, we know. <laughs> wow. You see, imagine I'm here being vulnerable, and you're just like, yes, we know. You see, this 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 space ain't safe anymore. Like, no, I'm teasing. Um, I'm teasing. All in good fun. Obviously, we're uh, that so but you know, but that's not something which I wanted to put out there as a character. Mm -hmm. I didn't want that to be a thing you know um so that's something which i've consciously and still going into a tv show constantly choose not to portray like i want there to be a black man that black women can actually ride for and be like yo like we like, like him. i like this we like this dude you know what i'm saying even if you may not like the writer who wrote him yeah yeah you know um so i just thought that was important to do um, so you just mentioned that obviously that's a continued consideration into now the BBC pilot. So yeah. obviously when you were doing the web series, as you said, you could do whatever you wanted to, you shot whenever you wanted to, you could, you know, your deadlines were your own. What's mm -hmm. the transition been like working with BBC and working with production companies and now having another, another partner? Oh man, it's, 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 it's a completely different beast and in in every level like even just budgets like dreaming was black the web series was in like the tens like we shot it for like 10 grand or like the tens that region whereas the pilot is a couple hundred thousand you know what i'm saying and that's small budget for them man for bbc this is like this is little budget man thing yeah you know and but then obviously that can be some as well yeah you know what i'm saying big up mommy for, for supporting the thing even though she clearly i talked to 
you are tell you all of these things about anyways Man, let's not that. even go there go go yeah. <laughs> but um yes yeah, everything's changed because now we're writing to deadlines now we're writing with like broadcasters who have notes who mm. like they don't say you have to do them but they're kind of like you do have to do them <laughs> you know what i mean and sometimes the notes i'm just like yo but i don't agree how about that and my agent is kind of just like, yo, bro, find a way to make them feel like, say, you do what I'm asking to do. So there's that as well. And just a level of control. Like, no, I don't have picture lock. I don't have final say on who gets casting. I'm advi- I advise and have strong suggestions on all these things, but I can't dictate these things. So now it's almost like I birthed this baby, which I kept and nurtured and homeschooled and now they're off to like, they don't know they're going to school. And yeah. they have other people who are raising them for three quarters of the day. And you have to kind of hope so when them come home, then I carry back weed in a them bag or something like that. You know <laughs> what I mean? So, and I think that's what it's like because, but also it's so much better as well on one level, because now like I've never had a hair and makeup team. I don't know what that is. We had a hair and makeup designer. Like oh, wow. Cynthia, Cynthia's giving me look books. And yeah, you know, we were thinking about Corbina should do this and that and blah, 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 all these styles. And I'm thinking, yo, like, blah, blah. even though I'm gonna shave my beard, I then I say, yo, like, you know, we feel like Corbina need to take it down a little bit. You know, all of them stuff and costume. It's not like Mark Lord, like, man, I come in and man, I tell me, say, yeah, you know, I have this really great idea of Corbina when Corbina's in his dream and talking about colors and talking about outfits and fits and what the women are wearing and standout pieces and just the whole I'm just like yo like it's a machine now yeah you know what I'm saying like it's almost like we were riding a bicycle and now we're there in our one bimmer and we never know how the engine work how when you fly the hood you just see you know you don't even see engine you know you, you know them the BMW parts, yeah. You just, yeah you don't even see all the parts so it was yeah but, but which makes it so much better in that way as well with all these people who are more experienced than me and more qualified even sebastian directing it just brought this extra sauce Mm. this extra vision which i'm like wow we didn't even have the tools to play like that but yeah the restrictions sometimes can feel tough like i don't like you know i'm an only child i don't like listening to people so like (laughs) 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 so even certain things is like we're giving notes and i'm just like do we have to do this though? And then we don't do it. And then the note come back. And Christian's kind of like, who's my agent? He's like, yo, brother, brother. This time, do this it. Time. So yeah, but um, overall, I just feel like we've grown as, I've grown as a writer, at least grown as a writer, Four Quarter Films has grown. And it's being in that machine just felt right. And being in that machine has just made it so much better. I, feel, I mean, you've watched it. Yes. So, like, you can tell me if you feel like it's better. No, I mean, obviously, the quality of the show is, you know, in terms of how it's shot, I do really like Sebastian as a director. I don't think, I think this is the first thing I've seen him do personally because, you know, I'm not in that world. Um, and I think that the interaction between you and Vanessa is phenomenal and the way in which you meet is really cool. I'm not going to give it away for people who haven't Babs. seen it, but I do... 
I do like it. And I love the continuity of the use of the dream sequence. Cause I think obviously it's reflective mm -hmm. of, of the, of the entire show and the premise mm -hmm. behind the show, the name itself. So I really love the dream sequences that are in there. And the acting is just so much better. I think I said that to you when you sent me um, a copy to what copy of it to watch. I was like, you're acting, not that it was shit before, but your mm. acting has gotten so much better. Like I genuinely, you know, I, I remember how difficult it was for you to shoot um, the very uh, episode nine, yeah, episode nine of the web series. And I don't think we were even together at that time, but we're, maybe we were, I don't remember. Um, but I remember how difficult it, we were together because I remember asking you what your inspiration was and you refused to tell me. Um, I still don't know to this day, I'm not gonna ask. Um, but that very same emotion in episode nine, which I know took so much out of you is something I see reflected in the pilot episode of the BBC for the BBC now, um, in terms of the range and the depth of the emotion yeah. that's expressed. Yeah. And so, yeah, for me, it's a clear cut, um, win in terms of the, the quality of acting that's in the show, um, mm -hmm. I, I, as I said, I think it's shot really well. Um, one of my favorite scenes is the Vanessa scene, um, or the last Vanessa scene, rather. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's my, we got a black sauce. We got to <laughs> put a, a black sauce on that black love, you know what I'm saying? Um, and I've told, <laughs> I mean, I've told you the things I love, and I've told you the things yeah. I, I didn't mind. Um, but I think it's a, it's a great show, and I think it's a testament to how talented you are and how hard you work, and the fact that I remember we went to see a screening of Moonlight one day. Do you remember us going? I do remember to Moonlight? that. Yeah, and yeah. what's the name of the director again? Barry Jenkins. Yes. And we were standing outside and Barry Jenkins came outside and you're like, oh, I don't know. And then I was just like, no, just go and talk to him. Just ask him anything. And you had asked him questions inside the, inside yeah, yeah, the yeah. screening as well. But you went over to him and he gave you some really good advice, which I'll let you uh, see what that is. Um, yeah, well, before I even say what that is, I just think it's a testament to the growth of everyone. Mm. Like even from an acting perspective, like now I have an acting coach, mm -hmm. TD, who just like, like the first session I went in, she was just like, listen, you need work. <laughs> she's like it's fine that's why you're here and she just kind of put me through the, the, ring the ropes you know what I'm saying put me through the ring and, and brought me up to the space where I just had access to all of these emotions and I guess through therapy as well I feel like like understanding emotions is the first step to accessing them mm. you know what I mean so that was our first thing but uh yeah funny enough with Barry Jenkins he was just like make sh make shit with the people who are around you. He said he made his first film with his friends. He still makes films with that with his friends still. With the DP who shot Moonlight shot his first feature, shot his last one. Yeah, and, and so what I I really love about the pilot is that um, there are elements of you know you pay homage to people within that within the show that mm -hmm. contributed to your um, you know yeah. becoming a creative um, people that were part of your team then Leanne is still in in the new yeah. pilot which I really liked um, I'm, I was really excited when I saw her in the very same role so you know I think um, that is 
it's a really nice thing to to see and for people who know you or people who are around you it's nice to see that that hasn't shifted or if it, or mm. if it has yeah i do think the essence is the same and i think that was that was really important for us is that even though it will become this new thing or a new logo new everything new actors new everything it the essence had to be the same and i think that we've kept that so i think that it is successful because of that yeah um so what's next like what is what happens after dreaming was black what does dreaming was black look for you in real life um well like as a person like a journey the filmmaker however you want like? to answer it there um you know what dreaming was black for me well the show in, in and of itself hopefully being commissioned i hope everybody watches it i think it's fantastic please check it out we got okay. all the sauce there for you um but hopefully we get commissioned to a season and hopefully the web series traveled like we went to festivals all over the world hopefully with the show the show can also get that international range as well like ideally with an american broadcaster put it into the universe god know what to do with it and and getting yeah just just getting that so that we can make the full season and we can really just have a show that you know it's about regular black people and i feel like that's the key distinction i don't necessarily think that dreaming was black is this big antithesis to like what's existing in tv i just feel like when you think of television you think of drama you think of usp so the USP is normally something massive, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, you think of Top Boy, cool, it's about like, you know, drug and gang culture, which is one thing which is great. Then you have something like Time Wasters, which is like, you know, about a, a jazz band that travels in time. And that's a whole other thing, you know, or even Famalama, Sketch Show, you know, all of these shows sliced, all of these things which have their USPs and really Dreaming Was Blacks, usp isn't in the character the character is just a regular dude uh -huh. you know what i'm saying doing regular ass shit like the usp is this is just a regular black man a triating that's the usp so i'm excited for people to genuinely see that and see that actually normal life is funny normal life is interesting normal life is entertaining you know um for myself Honestly, for myself, I just want to be able to keep growing. I just want to be able to, to I want to be able to be proud of myself, you know? Um, I want to make work. I want to be able to continue to make work and be able to comfortably pay my bills doing what I love. And I feel like that in itself is a dream come true. I feel like most people don't, you know? Mm. And that's no matter what the dream is. You know, like my mom tells me every day she's going to write a book. I'll know. <laughs> you know, or my godmother. You know, I'll know, but you know, not, not out of like bad mind, but it's just she has to work. She had a, she had a child to raise. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah. she not have no time to write a book. You know, uh, even my godmother, my godmother was like, you think me that be a, a, a solicitor if me they want, like if I could do anything? 
but you couldn't just do anything. Mm. So I think that that that's the dream for me is to be able to earn a living doing what I love and being able to support myself and support whoever else and and, and those around me mm. um, with that. And yeah, man, just, yeah, I want to be proud of myself. That's that's the goal for me. Okay. Um. So we're going to wrap up this therapy session <laughs> in the way in which we started it, in a manner of speaking. Um, I would like you to share, and I will do the same, mm-hmm. um, your fondest memory of creating Dreaming Whilst Black mm-hmm. and your fom- fondest memory of our relationship. Okay. <laughs> wow. And they were all fun. Up. All the moments between us were fun. <laughs> um, yeah, all right. Um, I think, you know what? There's a moment in the web series, episode one, we're shooting Lara's episode. And it's the one take shot. One take shot, yeah. yeah. And like, I asked like 30, she was like, yo, we need extras. I'm like, how many? Name a number, I'll get it. And she's like, 30. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> and I just messaged Bear Bridgens like, "Yo, can't come true, can't come true." We got like, a.m. yeah, we yeah, at seven a.m. in Woy Woy, West London, Ealing, on a Sunday, and all like I think thirty three people came, which was crazy because people even bring friend women never know, like, cause they were just on a yeah. tip of yo, like, my Bridgen need help and him want do a thing. And I remember just feeling that love where we we really were like, yo, we're making ah, we're like we're doing this, you know. Yeah. And we managed to pull this off. And I remember me and Natasha Larva, Max afterward, just like, even though we did the shot and we had to go on and do other scenes, it was just that moment of yo, yo, like this shit's good. You know, you realize that your thing done up. I and I was just like, yeah, this is it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that's one of the many fun moments I had. And funny enough, one of the fun moments was actually at the premiere because mm-hmm. I feel like we invited, like literally over a hundred people worked on the web series and we invited everybody to the premiere, plus loads of friends, plus loads of family. And just for everyone to be proud of what we did, mm-hmm. seeing Leicester Square, having Dre and them man do it in Jamaica, have the whole of Jamaica stand up as well it was just that moment of like, like, I remember even one time Chadley just looked at me and said, yo, you did a thing that, mm. and I remember feeling just that joy of like, we've succeeded and we've made people proud. Yeah. You know, we poor people and the people love it. Um, so that, those were, I would say is one of my two like highlights of the show and highlights of our relationship. Man, didn't know I was going to ask this. Um, there are a few, and I feel like some of them, I remember the feeling and never remember what we are doing. But I do, I don't remember. I remember one time we were playing, like something dumb, like trying to shoot Oh yeah. into the bin or something with that dash. Ball or something. A tennis ball. Yeah, 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 yeah a tennis ball. And it just became this like 
I don't know, some obstacle course in my room of trying to like bounce the ball off this and get it in the bin and all kind of things. And I remember just feeling comfortable and that it wasn't just this romantic space, but it was like a friendship. It was a genuine, like this, this youthful energy, this, this positive energy that we could just, we were just happy to exist in each other's space. Mm. You know? And it wasn't like we had to do something, you know, we just enjoyed each other's company. I feel like that's one of the moments that stands out as like, yo, we're just doing this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's there's no trying to this. It just is. And I feel like um that I would say, I guess that stands out to me. Okay. As, yeah, I know it's not the deepest. No, it's 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 a perfectly good response. There is no right or wrong answer to these mm. questions. Um, I'm tempted to ask you one last question, actually, just to make okay. sure that we've actually learned from this this session. What is the biggest lesson that you've learned, both in shooting and in relationships throughout um, the time? Uh, Jesus, with the pilot. Yeah. Listen, believe believe first, ladies, and believe pre-production. Pre-production. <laughs> Proper preparation prevents piss poor performance. Well, okay. That's that's a mantra that we used to say in Anisha's acting class. Time. Proper preparation prevents piss poor performance. Okay. We used to have to say it to annotate it perfectly so that our diction is flawless. And it, but it still means it. Um, I think a lot of shit that we ran into on set was just due to lack of time. Not for the fault of any of ours, but we just didn't have time and shit hit the fan and we were just always on our back foot shooting because of the lack of time. So that's one thing with the, the, the pilot, which is just like, listen, uh -huh. fucking prep because you can't beat it. Um, One of the lessons learned in my relation, in our relationship, ooh, techie. <laughs> um, um I don't know. I feel like I need to not doubt myself and fear has more harm than protection. Uh. Like we 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 do things out of fear to protect ourselves but actually what fear does is fear calls down the thing that you fear upon right. you you know and i think that for me for a long time one of my biggest fears is to have a relationship that i have with my father in the sense that like me and my father had a strained relationship his my whole life knowing him and i remember saying to myself i would never want as child who sometimes felt about me the way I felt about my father. Like I can't imagine what my father felt knowing, like, especially when I got to like 15, 16, where I like start speaking my mind. Uh, like I can't imagine what he would feel like knowing that, yo, I have a son who's chatting mad grease to me. <laughs> like <laughs> that's valid as well. Not even just chatting shit. It's like, nah, like this shit's valid. Yeah. Um, but I equated that to relationships. I equated, I equated 
his and my relationship to the fact that him and my mother weren't together. Mm. Mm. So for me, I've always operated in a space where you see from this thing start get rocky and it looked like say we might mash up. I better we just mash up because I wouldn't want us to get to the point where we now have a kid and then we mash up. Now I'm like my dad. But I'm like, but me and my dad's relationship wasn't because him and my mother weren't together. It was because of his personal actions towards me as a child. Right. Not to do with him and my mother. And I think that that fear of that led to many decisions which did happen in our relationship mm. that were rooted in that fear. Right. Um, so that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned, I think. Okay. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and no, yeah, yeah, I guess another lesson is that I'm selfish. <laughs> I'm selfish. Are you just learning this about yourself now? Um, what can I say? God's working on all of us. <laughs> but I'm selfish in the sense that I do take advantage of um, people who I have closest. And I don't necessarily nurture things that I assume are secure. And my indecision or believing I can have it all and just that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's, it's selfish. It's selfish. Mm. And yeah, so those are the things I've learned. Well, in balancing out this um, admission of toxicity. Um, so you the question for all the same questions. What's your most all fun, of them. What's gonna... your most fond moment in Dreaming Was Black? What's your most most fond moment of our <laughs> relationship? What's your most fond moment of? Um, no. What, what have you learned? What's the biggest yeah. lesson? You learned from uh, our relationship as well. This is my podcast. I'm not supposed to have to answer these mm, questions. Okay. Um, so what is my fondest memory of Dreaming OS back? Actually, again, it's really weird. I don't know if I have a particularly fond moment, but I'll use one example and say that there were many throughout the process. I remember when we were at your house working and you were trying to figure out a song for the opening scene, right? Mm-hmm. And I went to uh, the kebab shop to get us some food. And while I was gone, I came, I, I sent you Outcast, um, Hollywood, no, it's not Hollywood Divorce. Um, what's the name of the song? Uh, it's I Choose You, I know it's House Anthem. House yes. Anthem, that's what it's Players Anthem. Players Anthem, mm-hmm. So I sent you players anthem and this kebab shop is like maybe a five minute walk, seven minute walk from, from where you live. Mm -hmm. And by the time I had come back, you had found the original, which is, uh, I choose you by Willie Hutch. Yeah. By Willie Hutch, which is one of my favorite songs. Um, I, I, as a consequence of hearing the original, because I didn't know the original at the time. I just knew the, the outcast version. And you had already found the sample and already synced it up to play. And I remember watching you sitting on the bed and watching you, you know, figure this out, tinker with it. 
And yeah, I was a pleased post because I had contributed to this moment. But I was more like, Jano, this is my man. Like, (laughs) he's like fucking, he's talented as shit. You know, it was a real demonstration of how talented you were and how dedicated you were to the process. And that, you know, was one of the things that I found or took great pride and great pleasure in seeing in our relationship was those small moments of you achieving the right edit or Mm. um, the right storyline. And then my fondest moment of our relationship, it's hard to pick one actually, as you know, there are many low points, but there were also many high points. Mm. Actually, um, name one. No, and you know what's funny? We talk about this all the time, or we have talked about this before. So actually, now that I'm thinking about it, this is definitely the answer. Was we, you and I got into this habit of washing each other's hair. Mm -hmm. Um, And it became kind of like, for me anyway, it became kind of like our thing. Mm -hmm. So, and we fought every time I did have to wash your hair because you're very finicky and particular and because my hair is priceless thank you i'm not disputing the value of your hair but you know it you weren't a great client is what i'm saying um but yeah it was something that i thought of as as very unique to us um and very it was a thing because you don't trust many people with your hair. It's, it's a no, big thing for you. Many, not many people will know this, but or may, maybe many people will know this. I don't know. But um, but yeah, you don't let any and everybody in your hair. So no I, th- one, I think no one under 40 has washed my hair. Well, um, I am under 40. Other than you. So <laughs> let's be clear. I didn't say Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm, just letting, get touchy. I'm just letting the people know that I'm not to get touchy. Like uh, that was my point to say that you're the only young person who's touched my hair outside of you. It's my auntie or a hairdresser, like um, and a specific one. Funny story is the very first date that Ajani and I went out on, or one of the first dates, we uh, went to an art gallery. First and was first date yeah um Mm -hmm. went to an art gallery and we're looking at this painting and i was like oh this there's a painting of a a (laughs) floating in water right the the room has flooded and the bed is floating and i was like oh this reminds me of gilbert like i remember my bed floating gilbert was a hurricane that took place in 1988 um so i would have been about four and (laughs) ajani was like I wasn't alive when Gilbert took place. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this dude is younger than me by five years. (laughs) What am I doing here? I don't know what you thought, but I was like, fuck. Oh my God. In my head, I was like, nigga, what the fuck? Because I was thinking, she remembers it. Not she was alive. She remembers it. I'm like, (laughs) I don't remember shit since I was five. So I don't know what the fuck she And I was just like, damn. I think uh, actually subsequently mom told me a really funny story because she was pregnant with you when Gilbert was when Gilbert yeah. happened. Um, so I was just like, wow, this is crazy. 
that I'm dating this this young boy, this young thing. Wow. Um, that looks about 10 years older than me because I look so young. Um, but you know, that's a no random funny story. <laughs> Um, and the biggest lesson that I've learned, okay, biggest lesson I have learned is being accountable. You know, I think there were many things that took place in our relationship that I definitely um, held you to account for, um, as you, you've already acknowledged that you cheated. And I definitely went above and beyond letting you know how upset I was every time that it happened. But really, I didn't take the time to hold myself accountable to say, <clears throat> one, you're still here. So clearly, you are choosing this situation in some ways. Um, as in me, I, did, I chose not to leave the relationship because we would always get back okay. together or we'd figure it out or whatever. Um, and in many ways, I think at various points in our relationship, you expressed to me that you weren't ready you know, or that you didn't feel like you were prepared to be in the kind of relationship that we were trying to be in. And I don't think I heard you. I don't think I, I listened because I was so intent on making it work that I wasn't actually listening to the person that I was trying to make it work with. And instead of holding myself accountable for my own behavior and my own contribution to uh, the demise of our relationship, it just turned into me consistently um trying to fix your issues and not mine i mean i won't lie to you a part of this sounds one victim blaming no 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 also, but not also to also to avoiding I, I, maybe it is your truth maybe that is what you learn no, yeah, I think but I think it, it, holding myself so accountable and focusing on what I could control, which is my own behavior, um, is something that I do far more often now. You know, my my immediate when I'm trying to figure out, especially kind of after the relationship took place, like certainly not while we were together, I didn't have this thought. But in hindsight, you know, we broke up and got together many times. So um I think there yeah there was a certain you know and I contributed to the demise of our relationship as well I cheated um and didn't hold myself accountable in the same way that I held you accountable for your cheating you know, you know so I never did ever say it no I, I never did ever say it. because this whole time I'm like boy the people them are gonna left and say but this pussy old boy you see I saw the black man stay black man right and I'm like you know I'm not gonna say nothing because obviously I hear a thing and everybody, like, I speak no, no. openly about what I have done. So, like, it's fine. I speak, I mean, I speak openly about what I have done. And it's funny because my justification at the time for doing it was like, oh, he's cheated on me. So I'm just, I don't give a fuck. Um, and I'm going to do what I want to do. Um, and I didn't, I'm being 100% honest, I didn't actually tell you about it until after we broke up. Like you only found out that I had cheated in hindsight, which is very different from being held accountable in the time that you were held accountable at the same time that I found out you were cheating. And so I think, yeah, really being, you know, transparency works both ways. And as much as I still think that you should have been held to account for your behavior, I don't think I gave you the opportunity or gave myself the opportunity to hold myself to account 
for my behavior and how it contributed to our relationship or the, the demise of it. Um, so yeah, I think that's my biggest lesson that I've learned is, is being accountable. And it plays out in how Shan and I manage dope black women. I mean, so much of what we talk about are our own flaws and how we try to work past them and how we try to acknowledge them. And part of working past them and, and growing from them is acknowledging that they exist, you know? Okay. We want Black women to be themselves in all forms, good, bad, ugly, toxic, non-toxic. We want, us, we want Black women to be their authentic selves. And I cannot be, I can't tell women to be authentic if I'm not authentic. And so that is the authentic truth of the situation. That's fair. Um, so yeah, um, tell us on that note, I thank you for participating in this exercise with me. You know, when, when we discussed doing the podcast together, I wasn't really sure. And I wasn't really um, excited about it. I was actually really nervous about recording today. But actually, I'm really glad that we've done this. I think I learned a little bit more about you. I hope that you gained a little bit more of insight into what I thought about our relationship, but also more importantly, what I think about Dreaming Was Black and um, how talented you and Four Quarter Films are. Um, and I, I, I hope you know that I wish nothing but the best of success for you. Um, your, you. your capacity to win is something that I will always be proud of. So, um, so yeah. You know, thank okay. you for joining me in, in doing this. I know. Thank you for having okay. me. It was very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. And I just hope I just hope people who listen to this, like I hope people who listen to this gain something, something okay. sensible. And I hope they watch Judy Wise Black. That's not what some people <laughs> player. You know, that too. So <laughs> but yeah, man. And yeah no this is a this is an interesting exercise yeah i think so and there's not many not many people get an opportunity to do this right so i'm glad that we i have this platform and i'm glad that you have this show because i don't know if without it we might not have never dated um and much of what saved me in uh, you know, the aftermath of our relationship and what I experienced in terms of sadness and grief about uh, what happened between us. You know, dope black women in many ways saved me. You know, it gave me the opportunity mm. to pour my energy into something that was really positive and to use my experiences in a way that I hope help other people. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, it gave me time to reflect on my own, as I said, my own level of accountability. So I'm grateful for dope black women in that capacity. And okay. um, so in many ways, dope black women and uh, Dreaming Whilst Black uh, are very are kind of bookends of our relationship. It's really interesting. Okay, yeah, it is. So when when so when you're gonna bring on your next ex man? <laughs> um, so this is what you're doing. So clearly. tell us, tell the people where they can find you. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Give them the your people, socials. <laughs> the people can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Um, Instagram s dot ajani a d j a n i, and Twitter is the ajani. 
And I guess more importantly, y'all just check out the work. If you like it, share it. If not, that's cool too. You know, but I made it for us. So, yeah. Yeah, everyone, just check out Dreaming Whilst Black on BBC iPlayer. Go back and check out the web series. See yeah. the, the chronology of how this came into being. And we look forward to all of the other things that you have in store. Um, and thanks for listening to this podcast, guys. Don't forget to share and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. We'll be back with you next week. Until then, stay blessed and unapologetically Black. All the way black. Blackly black. Blacktastic. <laughs> Thank you. saying to you oh so how long are you here for and you were like yeah i think i'm gonna stay until saturday but it was like monday and i was like what what i got wicked man is going to stay here for a whole week oh, and i just see fuck? him they're gone no, you're lying they're you're lying. Lying. You're actually lying. lying i swear to you it's no me. you're wicked you're fucked but <laughs> my point is is that one of the very next things we did the next day was that you were going through and outlining the script for every episode, because at this point in time, you had written a draft of all nine episodes and you were going through and and reading and picking out things that you would need, like um, using highlighters for different colors. I don't know if you remember this. You're using yeah. different colors to highlight different things that you needed, whether it's actual stuff for the cast or whether whatever it was, different camera equipment, whatever. And we were listening to music and we were both doing work. And again, it was this very strange, like we're just in each other's space being comfortable. And we didn't really know each other at that point in time, but it was so, and I think it's one of the things that solidified to me that I did actually like you. I was just like, Oh, actually he's been here for a week. We don't really know each other, but it feels like we've known each other for years. You Listen, know. you're lying. You're actually lying. And lying. it's and it's mad because I'm like, I would never listen. Let me take because I remember that story. I remember that that time. Cool. It was a Friday. That's how I know you're mad. It was a Friday because I was like, yo, my neighbor won't really surprise her. And no, she goes, she don't want to see me. To visit me. You came on a Friday. I'm not, listen, I came the second time, I came on a, a Friday, and I said to you, I was just, how long you staying, and I was like, yo, my goodness just jumped back Sunday, and that was two days later, and the only reason why I said that was because I came super late, like midnight that night in Birmingham, and the only reason why I didn't stay, leave the next day 
was because I was like, I booked a goddamn late ticket and spent like however many pounds to come up to this blood clot yeah, yard. So I'm going to try spend at least 24 hours up there. So I would spare an extra day. That is what I said. Now you're going to have to make me re-edit and pick a different thing. Okay, Anyways. I'm going to the question all over again. 